Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey, everybody, buddy. See, we have Marla H. and Lala M. and Kate E. and Craig him, which I didn't think he was going to be able to, but he's. we see him working. Well, he's getting paid. He's not working, right? He's just listening in. All right, the 55th chapter of the Tao Te Ching. Kate, are you, we're glad to have you back, dear. I am very glad to be back. I put the link in the chat. Would you like to read for us today? Yep, sure. Okay. Fire when ready. All right. 55th chapter, first translation. He who is filled with virtue is like a newborn child. Wasps and serpents will not sting him. Wild beasts will not pounce upon him. He will not be attacked by birds of prey. His bones are soft, his muscles weak, but his grip is firm. He has not experienced the union of man and woman, but is whole. His manhood is strong. He screams all day without becoming hoarse. This is perfect harmony. Knowing harmony is constancy. Knowing constancy is enlightenment. It is not wise to rush about. Controlling the breath causes strain. If too much energy is used, exhaustion follows. This is not the way of Tao. Whatever is contrary to Tao will not last long. Second translation. He who is in harmony with the Tao is like a newborn child. Its bones are soft, its muscles are weak, but its grip is powerful. It doesn't know about the union of male and female, yet its penis can stand erect, so intense is its vital power. It can stream its head off all day, yet it never becomes coarse, so complete is its harmony. The master's power is like this. He lets all things come and go effortlessly without desire. He never expects results, thus he is never disappointed. He is never disappointed, thus his spirit never grows old. Third translation. One who is filled with the Tao is like a newborn child. The infant is protected from the stinging insects, wild beasts, and birds of prey. Its bones are soft, its muscles are weak, but its grip is firm and strong. It doesn't know about the union of male and female, yet his penis can stand erect because of the power of life within him. It can cry all day and never become hoarse. This is perfect harmony. To understand harmony is to understand the constant. To know the constant is to be called enlightened. To unnaturally try to extend life is not appropriate. To try and alter the life breath is unnatural. The master understands that when something reaches its prime, it will soon begin to decline. Changing the natural is against the way of the Tao. Those who do it will come to an early end. Final translation. A person filled with the power of Tao is like a baby boy. Bees can't sting him. Wild beasts can't attack him. A baby has soft bones and weak muscles, but a firm grip. He hasn't had sex, but he can get an erection. That's because he's got lots of energy. He can cry all day and never lose his voice. That's because he's at one with his world. If you're at one with the world, you know constancy. And if you know constancy, you've been enlightened. It's not healthy to try to prolong your life. It's unnatural to impose the mind's will upon the body. People waste time and energy trying to be strong or beautiful, and their strength and beauty fade. They've lost touch with Tao, and when you lose touch with Tao, you might as well be dead. When you lose touch with Tao, might as well be dead. Dead inside. Do what? Do what, Lala? You're dead inside. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Eric Lynn had some good things to say about all these baby references. Um, Do tell. 
Do what? Do share. <laughs> Newborn infants denotes a pure and simpler state of mind. It is a state full of bliss and grace. We all experience it as babies, but we forget it as we grow up and become more and more affected by the material world. I thought about that. They're totally in the moment, right? Babies, yes. But one of the things that verse says is they have a firm grip. So, you know, when a baby grabs onto your finger, it's got a really firm grip. And I think he's talking about that, too. They have a firm grip on the Tao. Yeah, he has, he has one more thing about that. He says, poisonous insects represent the sting of malicious gossip. Wild beasts represent fear and anger. The birds of prey represent greed and envy. The Tao protects cultivators from these dangers, just like parents protect infants. To be weak and soft in the context is to have a flexible and yielding approach. The firm grasp is an unwavering determination to reach one's goals. Together, these metaphors depict how we can be determined to achieve and yet still remain flexible in our approach. Sounds almost like a fortune cookie, but. (laughs) I can see that. Yeah, very Eastern philosophy. Yes, yes. Just as babies cry all day without getting hoarse, Tao cultivators who possess the optimal essence and harmony of health can concentrate on difficult tasks for an extended period of time without getting tired. I can see that. Yeah. Moderation is extremely important in this process. Tao cultivators do not cultivate physical vitality to excess, nor do they overtax the mind. Okay. Makes a little sense. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. Thoughts? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I think this chapter, for me, it's a little extraneous. It can, it is, Marla, it's, uh, I was looking for, the, the part about it that really, that I like, I like the idea of, with, a baby is just naturally able to be in the moment, to be content, playing with its feet. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of, you know, we lose that as we grow older. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one lesson we can learn from this. Um, then, not obsessing over health and beauty. You know, it has all of these on down. It has these comments, several do, about uh, not being obsessed with with uh, uh, prolonging your life. Right. Yeah, um, I think it's like the people that obsess over, you know, outer beauty and, you know, outer – it's more like if you're going the way of the Tao, you have that inner, that inner beauty that people recognize more as you know, being authentic, you know, living in your true self versus makeup, plastic surgery, whatever people do. Um, but, yeah, it makes me think of if you're going the way of the Tao, you have this inner light, this inner beauty that resonates. You start waking up that this body's not you, right? Right. You don't really care how other people feel about your wrinkles, your gray hair. You know, you just you live in the moment. You live in their That was yeah. that would be nice. <laughs> I'm still very concerned about how I look. I don't know. I think after living in LA and seeing so much ridiculous plastic surgery. <laughs> ridiculous amounts um, to the point where it's just like I love aging and you know there's this song about all the lines across my face show the story of who I am exactly I mean I I, I still color my beard you know so it doesn't look so gray well y'all do little things it's like nobody just you know lets themselves go or anything like that but I think well Craig does look at him (laughs) 
<laughs> he can't talk though. Oh, he... no, no, I, I can, I can now. <laughs> See, I let myself go when I got married because I really couldn't be bothered making an impression anymore because I thought I don't need to do it now. <laughs> My husband and I have a pact about us. If, if he gets really, really fat, I'm allowed to take him out in the back and shoot him with a rifle. And the same for me. <laughs> so we work really hard. Um, you know what? I'd like to think that I work harder at well-being than thinness, but I, I have to admit I have an eating disorder. So, and that has everything to do with, with the way I look. Not, um, you know, not what I put in my mouth. It has everything to do with what I, what I look, what I perceive that I look like. So, it's just living in, the, living in the real world. I think I've lost a lot of vanity. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've lost a lot of vanity since I came into recovery. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think a lot of it comes from working on the basis that what other people think of it doesn't really matter. Because a lot of time I was really conscious of what other people thought because I, I, I always thought that I had to be the one that was there or thought I was the one that had to have all the answers and look good and do this, that and the other. And see see now, after everything that you go through in recovery, it really doesn't make a difference. Um I'm happy with what I'm doing, I'm content with what I'm doing. Um I've got a little bit more grey in my beard because of buddy. But you know, it, it just is what it is. Um I've I also realise that I'm kind of at the age where metabolism slows down as well, so I'm, I'm not going to be processing things as, as quickly as I should. Um, it takes me a little bit longer to get into shape when I'm training for things, but do you know what? It's just one of those things that happens when you get old. It is age. Kate, Kate's got all this coming to her. I mean, Kate's still in her 20s. 30s. Yeah. 30s. 30s. Yeah. I guess... I worry. I worry less about how my appearance, but I do worry a lot about like looking okay in how I'm living my life in front of people now. I think because I spent so long like being a failure at my life in my addiction, like now I like want to look successful in front of people. Like I want to look like I'm doing good. That's a positive thing. I guess it's a positive thing, but I do kind of worry about it a lot. Like, am I looking good? Am I looking successful? Am I looking like I am doing good? Am I looking smart? And am I looking like, I don't know. Like in the, where was it? Let me look, look back at the text on here. Cont- uh, if too much energy is used, exhaustion follows. I sometimes feel kind of exhausted trying to, um, worrying about like how I'm looking. Mm-hmm. And I don't always look that great, so I don't even know if all the effort, like... Only to you. Yeah, well, it's only natural. Like, it's part of, for me, the shame of all the the crap that people saw when I was drinking that um, I feel like I constantly have to overcompensate to mm-hmm. show, I'm doing good now, I'm doing good now. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I think with time, it certainly has dissipated a little bit, but it's still, like, I'm constantly... And and I and it's also for myself, you know. I mean, first and foremost, it's for myself. But I understand the outward needing to uh, overcompensate to show that, hey, I'm doing great now. I'm doing great now. Look at me, like you know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting, Kate. You talked about the exhaustion part of that, and that really is a red flag. That if we're getting exhausted then that means that we're really pushing to do something within our own effort. So that's working outside of what this is talking about is being filled with the virtue of the Tao. Okay. This is talking about, that's what this is talking about is walking in the Tao really as a way of life. So if we're feeling exhausted about something, that's a, that's a huge red flag for us to look back and say, okay, what am I doing within my own energies here that I need to surrender? You know, what is it that I'm, I'm doing, you know, what is buddy doing to make 
buddy better when he buddy needs to surrender that? You know, what area am I not being powerless in if we want to put it in recovery terms? Mm-hmm. I think the whole forcing thing, you know, when you're forcing something rather than just letting it be as it's supposed yeah. to be as it's natural, naturally supposed to be, right. you know, just like I always say, whenever I force anything, it's going against, going against the bow. It's, it goes against nature. It's forcing your own will. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we age. We, we get wrinkled. We get gray. We get fat, whatever. It's aging. Yeah. Well, fat's not aging, though. No. But when you they say you gain ten pounds every ten years or something. <laughs> Naturally, that's part of aging. No, you don't I have. To. I talked to a doctor once who said, um, you know, it's it typically the the trend is every ten years you put on ten pounds because your metabolism is slowing. But oh, I, okay. No. I, I think there's ways around it, but there's ways around. Yeah, I've worked really hard not to do that, but yeah. with menopause things start happening to the midsection of your body that is uncontrollable. Hormonal. There's nothing you can do with hormones. Guess not. (laughs) I'll learn the right diet for me. You don't have menopause. (laughs) You have menopause. But I have this stuff around my belly. Why do I have that then? Yeah. (laughs) That stuff is um, stress, too. They say that omentum, it's called, or something, omentum fat that goes around the belly is is a lot due to stress. And the chemicals that you put in your body hold fat cells. Mine was mathematics. <laughs> I was eating more calories than I was burning. Exactly. It's that simple. <laughs> so, but but back to back to Kate's <laughs> back to Kate's uh, uh, example that that really is a good example of how you know we can when when we even things that may be good if we're pushing for those things within our own power how they can be exhausting to us and how we might need to rethink and maybe you know if you do a fourth step on some some of that pride and and what is it here that I'm trying to prove that I don't need to prove because there's nothing to prove. Well, how am I trying to look good instead of be good? You know, mm-hmm. you know that kind of a thing. You know, would probably be good to have a conversation with your sponsor about. Yeah, might get some enlightenment on that and be able to uh, walk a little freer with that. I have found for me, when I start doing that, I will invariably have a situation where I don't look good <laughs> like I look bad when it's like I'll embarrass myself some way or say something that's wrong or something where it's not something that's affecting my sobriety but if, if I'm trying to look a particular way I get humbled I was on a podcast not long ago and I misquoted something and I knew I misquoted it as soon as I said it and and it just kind of it messed with my head the whole you know so here I am wanting to look good and here I I do the opposite you know and uh, it was good for me though and uh, I didn't mention it to the guy but they went back and edited it that <laughs> out you know they took it out you know which is great you know but I wasn't going to ask him to I'd already said you know I need to be humbled I need to misquote something uh, because that's the last thing I want to do because I want to look like I have it figured out you know. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing that uh for me happens if i let that stuff go long enough i am corrected one way or the other so it's good for me when i start spotting it to go ahead and try to deal with it then yeah it's awareness it's bringing being aware of when you're forcing when you're trying to do something just to look good for others it's it's awareness because once you bring awareness to it, you can make a conscious choice to say, drop it. Okay. I don't need to. I, I have nothing to prove to anybody. And, you know, I find when I do that is how silly it is. Yeah. It's like, who am I trying to look good for? You know, 
it seems so silly. Sign it. And, it, and it's, it's also like, who really, I think this comes with age, and although I'm in my 40s, I mean, in my 20s, I definitely cared a lot more what people think, but it's like, I get those kind of, you know, old coots that kind of sit on the porch and just like are completely, you know, bitching about everything, because it's like, I think as you get older, you just kind of stop caring so much. I don't know, for me anyway, uh, I, and also I've just fallen down so many times, like, uh, metaphorically, it's like everybody's seen my crap. So once it happens so many times, it's just like you can't can't care anymore. It kind of it's just like <laughs> it's desensitized to what people think. I'm like they have seen much worse than me not uh, me not applying myself to the extent of it. <laughs> like the bar is low. <laughs> you know, what the ultimate freedom I think is to really not care what other people think. Yeah, the ultimate freedom. Then you can live the Tao, in the Tao. It's like it, this is how I live, and I'm adamant about it. And you know, well, your priorities change as who as to who you're trying to please. Yeah, you know, I mean that changes because it becomes a spiritual consciousness now that that you know even not not trying to please, maybe just trying to surrender is a better word. You know, trying to be powerless in would be the way I look at that. Because my problem is if I have an issue, it's because I'm not surrendering. I'm not being powerless in an area of life so that I can have the same benefit in that area that I got with alcohol because that's what I finally had to do. I always go back and look at what I did with alcohol. Okay, if I'm having pride, then I need to surrender this pride. What's behind that? Maybe it's a fear for me. It would be a uh, uh, maybe a fear of not pleasing people, a fear of people not being happy with me, or, you know, a fear of disappointing someone. That's the kind of where my fear goes. So then I surrender those fears, uh-huh. and then my need to please started going away. Um, I had something interesting happen with my wife. When I switched from doing things from her out of duty because I was supposed to, still good side of things to out of love. I quit thinking I had to do all this stuff. I mean, I quit thinking I had to get up and make her coffee and do these other things. I still do it some, but it's not like I must do every little thing. You know, it's kind of odd. I'm probably not explaining that well. I don't understand exactly what you're saying. Okay, good, good. Cause I, the words don't sound correct to me, but, but it's kind of odd the way it changed, and I no longer thought I needed to perform. It's kind of strange. It's really weird the way that happened. Because then it becomes work. Yes. It was effort before, Lala. It was effort. Yeah. And effort is forcing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when you do it from love, it's like you're enjoying doing it, and you feel good about it. And it actually doesn't even matter how they receive it, like whether they're grateful or not. And she and I was even doing less, and she said something's changed with you. You know, you're, you know, you know, like like I was so much better than I used. To. I said, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. But but it's that you know, learning to just let this thing flow. You know, and, and that's the kind of stuff as as I was growing up that made me want to drink because I was doing things to please people yeah. and being somebody that I wasn't because just to make them happy. And I'm talking really mostly about my parents. And um, it was so uncomfortable for me that I chose to numb out with drugs and alcohol. So, and now I'm not, and I'm actually enjoying helping my parents out, you know, and they're much happier. That's that shift to effortlessness in your parents' relationship with your parents. Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 Knowing harmony is constancy. Knowing constancy is enlightenment. Knowing harmony. Now, Mitchell, I found out yesterday, we were talking about this before, that Mitchell's married to Byron Katie, Stephen Mitchell, that translated this. So I didn't even know that. I listened to a really good, if if anyone listens to 10% Happier, Dan Harris, he interviewed Byron Katie, and I heard it yesterday. It's been the last week. I think that's his last episode. So, uh check that out that really i never heard any of I, I mean i never heard her before so i had no idea 
what she had. I'm not in that loop. I don't listen to a lot of different people, but really good. It could be helpful stuff for doing four-step work. It really, uh, I think that would be, I'm going to study her stuff some more. But what the way he translated that last stanza I thought was really good. He lets all things come and go effortlessly without desire. So the issue with letting things go is you attach desire to them. He never expects results. Thus, he is never disappointed. Well, that goes back to like the making the coffee out of effort. Like you need to be expecting somebody to be grateful or thankful versus doing it out of love and not having, it's not being based on getting anything out of it or based on somebody else. So what that means for me is that for me to be able to let go, I've got to lower my expectations, right? Absolutely. So my problem is is expectations, and for me, that would mean that I'm doing something out of a lower level of consciousness. I'm not doing this out of love. Because only if I'm doing something out of love am I able to let go of expectations, because if I'm doing this out of lower levels of consciousness, then I'm going to expect a result. Good, good. And then when you don't get it, it's upsetting and angry. And then get the consciousness. Yeah, stress, resentment. Yeah, so. And he, yeah. <laughs> he translated this as his spirit getting old. So he says, he is never disappointed, thus his spirit never gets old. He, does, he doesn't get jaded. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Yes, good, 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 good. Let's see. His commentary was pretty good on this, too. Uh Talking about the infant, the infant cries all day long. Now, this is Mitchell's comment, Stephen Mitchell's commentary. The infant cries all day long without straining its throat. It clenches its fist all day long without cramping its hand. It states all day long or it stares all day long without weakening its eyes. Free from all worries, unaware of itself. It acts without thinking, doesn't know why things happen, doesn't need to know. That beginner's mind, that in the moment, unaware of itself, it acts without thinking, doesn't know why things happen, doesn't need to know. Mm. To know harmony is to know the eternal. To know the eternal is to have insight, to improve upon life, is ominous to control the chi by the mind is aggressiveness when they are too aggressive things decay this is not the Tao and non-Tao soon ends so that chi is that uh, uh, energy and vital energy and so when we try to control it within ourselves it decays and goes so, you know, he talks about forcing the breath in, in, I think, all of the translations. So, and in yoga, of course, we do pranayama, which is controlling the breath. It's not a force, but it is, a, your mind is controlling your breath. But that's for the greater good. It's not detrimental to the health. It's supposed to be um, enhancing, enhancing the health. Well, so, I also helps you focus. It's kind of used as a tool to, you know, when they always say focus on the breath, it's to keep the thoughts from yeah. monkey mind. The monkey mind. <laughs> Letting those things come and go effortlessly without desire. So you're attaching a desire, Kate, to to that. That's why you're you're growing old in that area of your life, you're, you're having some angst about it, right? Because you're wanting to please. And that's a, that's a really good example of how this works. And I I can only see it backwards, right? I can only see, Oh, um, you know, I'm angry about, or I'm upset about this particular thing, or I'm tired about this. Then I can look back and say, Oh, what am I doing wrong to cause this? Is, a, mm-hmm. is the way I normally see it. 
I don't have the foresight to take care of it first. I have to have consequences and then go back and look at it is how it works for me. And, and sometimes I'll see it and not deal with it. And then that consequence gets bigger and bigger and bigger until finally either I have to deal with it or it's dealt with for me, you know? And so that's, you know, that's how I, that's how it seems to happen for me. Anybody else had experience with that? Uh, yeah, trying too hard. To make trying too hard, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was hoping somebody would say, well, come on, guys. The interesting thing is once you, you know, do kind of let go of needing to please and doing things to show, people actually – there were the right people, the, the people that matter, like notice you're more grounded and you're more serene. You know, you might not be forcing and pushing yourself. To, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. But they notice the change of, oh, she's, she's kind of, you know, grounded and serene versus just being busy and looking busy. And, uh, it's softening. We're softening. It is exhausting to... Look to constantly be doing things to look better in people's eyes. And Hawkins Letting Go book talks about that. It's really interesting what he says about that. Um, that when we desire something, like like to impress someone, our desire to impress them actually keeps us from impressing them. Yes, it does. <laughs> so when we give that up and instead are grateful for the people around us instead of try to impress them and just surrender it to the point that it doesn't matter whether they're impressed with us or not. We're just grateful for them being in our life and send love to them. And we, if we can get to that point, then they truly become impressed with us. Well, I mean, it's a turnoff when someone's trying to, it is, it's a turnoff. And actually it's like that Leonard Cohen, line um it's the cracks that let the light in it's like intimacy is born by showing each other your flaws and things that that's where vulnerability and people actually really bond and connect rather than acting like superwoman and i have this together and i have this together it's like really nothing there to like bond with right you're so right robot (laughs) it's funny go ahead marla i'm sorry there's no um intimacy you know, it, while you were talking about that, I'm thinking about the, like the type A personality who's, you know, busy, busy, busy. Yeah. got to be doing something at all times and um, to perfection. And they're not people that I can relate to yeah. on a personal level because they're so busy avoiding life. Yeah. They're not really living life. They're avoiding it. They're they're forcing, making it look like they forcing, I've got it all together, I've got it all together, and God forbid one thing, you know, goes wrong, and it's like, ah, like, you know, they they kind of lose it. Yeah, I had actually a sponsor like that, who Mm -hmm. was this perfection, and we lasted three months. That's about it. We, you know, I was taught a sales technique to manipulate that years and years (laughs) ago. That, that when you had a new client, that you always told them an issue that you had. Oh. So that you would create some, a bond with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy, you know, how, you know, uh, and I would go and be doing, I said, now, I want to tell you, I do all this big stuff and then say, I do have an issue I deal with that I want you to know about, and I'm working on this. And they'd go, what you know what i said sometimes i don't get my calls returned in a timely fashion i'm working on it but i just want you to know that that's an issue that i have that i'm i'm working on I, and i want you to hopefully you'll be patient with me if i don't get back to you as quickly as, as you think i should and they're like wow i appreciate you telling me that so much i'm like what <laughs> first time i used it and i'm manipulating i mean i'm this is not because I want to be honest, it's because I want to sell them. So you know, and so, <laughs> and there was nothing, you know, noble about it at all. You know, <laughs> that was a manipulation tool, totally. but it worked. 
but you became vulnerable. Yeah. That, that's well, it, kind of, you know. know. I mean, I got a bunch of phone calls, and I didn't like returning my calls, and it was always a day or two before I got back to people, so it was perfect, you know. But, you know, that's – you're right, though, Lala. You're right. Okay. Wayne Dyer, you ready for Wayne Dyer, Marla? Anything there that you uh, – that spoke to you? No, but um, <laughs> I did like um, what I did this, on the second page. Um, okay. Do you want me to read the 55th verse again? Uh, I, I don't think so. It's got most it, – it's about the same as the others this time, I think. If you would just want to read the part that you liked. Um, all right. Um, verse 55 of the Tao Te Ching invites you to realize that what you call luck isn't something that randomly happens. It's yours for life when you decide to live by letting go. You attract the cooperative power of the Tao when you release the need to control your life. So change your thoughts and see how your life changes to a very fortunate one indeed. Let go and exist in harmony with the Tao in order to build up your immune system to be, quote-unquote, lucky about resisting disease and illness. I know that letting go for protection sounds paradoxical, and I suppose you could think of it like that. But try seeing it as a way of allowing life's natural rhythm to flow unimpeded through you. Live by letting go, living by letting go means releasing worry, stress, and fear. And when you promote your sense of well-being in the face of what appears as a danger to others, your alignment with your source frees you from pushing yourself to act in a forceful manner. Lao Tzu reminds you here that things that are forced grow for a while, but then wither away. Um, visualize yourself as indestructible. Activate an inner picture that will carry you through your perceived dangers. In this visualization, remove the image of your physical body and instead see the part of you that's a, as constant as a spirit or a thought. This is your essence, and it's incapable of being harmed in any way. From this perspective, you're not threatened by anything, from criminals to cancer, from a common cold to a wild beast. When you live in harmony with the enduring part of yourself, it will contribute to an overall sense of being indestructible. Declare yourself to be that lucky person who goes through life unscathed by freeing yourself from trying to control your perception of looming danger. Changing the way you look at your potential for becoming a lucky person. Guys, anything? I don't think I particularly worry about perceived dangers or looming danger. Yeah, I don't either. I don't do a lot of that. Um, well, would that include anxiety? Like, I worry I about being anxious about being anxious. I don't know if that's danger. I, th I think it would apply to any fear, probably, Lala. Yeah. 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 For me, this is – this whole chapter really boils down to one thought for me. More than this fear thing, it's more – for me, it seems to be more about learning to live without disappointment. And all these things we're talking about create disappointment in my life, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm, you know, if, if I'm taking, if I'm in fear in some way or, you know, if I'm not letting things go, if I'm trying to please people, if I'm worried about, overly worried about how I look and how I impress other people, um, I am going to be disappointed because there's going to be someone who is not happy with me. It's just life. It happens. Yeah. So I've got to surrender all of that and learn that if I'm going to live in the Tao, which would be learning this walk of love really is what it's about. This virtue that we're talking about to walk in is this walk of giving and not worried about getting this walk of doing for you instead of for me. That's really the only way that I can live a life without disappointment. And 
when I think about it, the more I walk this path, the less disappointed I am because the less I expect. Correct. So that's really the, for me is the big takeaway in this whole chapter is that I can live a life without disappointment. I don't have to get, I naturally have these abilities that I got as a child, as a baby that I've lost over time from the world that I can still live in the moment. I don't have to be obsessed with myself and I can be happy with where I am and what's going on in this very moment. I think um, for me, when I do find myself, let's say something little, like I've texted somebody and I'm waiting for them to text back and I, and I realize I'm getting attached to the outcome you know, just even little things like that, it's, it's like, it's awareness. I remind myself, hey, you know, I put that out there out of place of love and, you know, to remind myself not to be attached to the outcome. You know, little things like that. Little things. You know what else I like about this chapter about his, um, this guy, what's his name? Wayne Dwyer. <laughs> he, um the idea of changing your thought process of, you know, oh, God, I'm the unluckiest person in the world, bad luck follows me, to um, maybe, maybe I'm really lucky, you know, and see how things start to change with that. Of, you know, when you start changing your, um, your view and start changing the way you feel about yourself, you know, maybe I'm really lucky, not unlucky. Because I know dwelling in that, you know, I, you know, I used to feel like I'm so unlucky being an addict. Why me? To like, this is, you know, it's a good thing. It's brought me a sh- lot of awareness about myself. That's what the, you know, the, the blessing of being an addict is in recovery, of course. But. It really is. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, if I hadn't hit the wall with my partying, then I would. <laughs> still be doing the same thing that I was doing for the last 20 years, not growing as a person, not having this whole new lifeline of a, you know, a second uh, trajectory in life. Right. And we wouldn't have the growth. Wisdom. Wisdom. You know, for me, the real gift in that, and I've thought about this a lot, if I would not have had a life-threatening issue like alcoholism, I would never have learned to surrender and be powerless in any area of my life. Agreed. And it took six years of suffering in AA for me to learn that. So it wasn't something that came easy for me, even when it was life-threatening, even when it almost killed me, even all these things, you know, it still took so much time and effort and really to the point of suicide before I really surrendered that. So I would not have done that if it would not have been to that point. So I would have never learned how to surrender. And once I learned that in one area of life, it helped me to start doing that in all these other areas. Everything. It's just yeah. everything. Every life, it's like instead of living from the ego, you you learn humility and humbleness, and then you that's when real growth starts. I think so too. Yeah, it was quite a gift. You know, I never, I never have bought into luck, you know, that there was such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) But I always waited for the other shoe to drop, like, this is not going to turn out good. I would always have that flip side of that though. It wasn't, I didn't call it luck. It was just nothing's going to work for me right. There's always <laughs> going to be a problem, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, and what I've learned is, think about this. If the earth, okay, nature is ever expanding. If you call it the, the way of the Tao, the way of, think about it like the Big Bang, whatever you think about as far as God is ever expanding. The universe is ever expanding now. Still. The big rip. Yes. Now, when we get all this negativity and this self out of the way, there's nothing left to do but for us to flourish and grow and expand too. 
So it's not an issue really with, you know, it's going to happen. It's just like if we have this drop of God within us, this drop of love within us, when we get the negativity out of the way, we don't have to force ourselves to give and love. We just start naturally doing it. That's been my experience. How about y'all? Is that that yeah. been what y'all have experienced? Yeah, you know, you don't naturally start hating people. You get rid of that and you hate more people, you know. You get rid of that and you just start giving and loving and wanting to do for people. I find myself now, my first thought is, what can I do for them? I go out and eat with people and I want to buy their meal, you know. I'm like, what is this? You know, it's not like I don't want to impress them. It's not that, you know, if you're talking about an impressing thing, it's not that I want to impress them, that I want to buy their meal. I just want to do something nice for them. And the relationships have so much more depth than when you're people pleasing. Yes. Pleasing, it's, it's a very shallow kind of, I'm looking for their acceptance. I'm looking for their approval. But when you, like you said, do things out of love, these are, these are real these are real bonding depth. Yeah, I was out with some guys from AA. We were down in I was down in Daytona, and I didn't know when I'd ever see these guys again. And I said, "Let me buy your meal because I just wanted to do something nice for them. Not that I was expecting something in return or wanted to impress them in any way. It had nothing to do with any of that. And uh, just learning, you just naturally start giving. So I think that there's nothing left for us to do when we start getting all that negativity out of the way in our life for us just to start flourishing and growing and smiling and being happy and all those things. That was definitely my experience in recovery. Definitely. I was just with uh, family members for quite a while because we were on this trip and I have some family members that don't do things the way that I think they should be done. (laughs) And, um, so, like, at first, my mind in my mind, I was like, I have to show them exactly what they're doing wrong, tell them what they're doing wrong, and get them to change it immediately. Because I cannot tolerate being here and have them acting like this for the next three weeks. And, you know, I tried it for, like, half a day. And it was not working. No one was listening to me. Everyone was getting like kind of irritated and no one was listening to me anyway when I was telling them exactly how they should be doing everything right so like I had to reevaluate myself and where I was coming from and like I realized that I could spend all my time being irritated and annoyed and probably being kind of a brat or I could like let it go just be happy, be in a good mood, let them be how they are, let me be how I am, and have a good time. So that was kind of my example of, like, letting go that I had lately, and it worked fine. Good job. I just, I let them be how they are, and I tried to think about, like, while I was in my addiction, like, they were very loving and kind to me, (laughs) even though I was, like, awful, I'm sure, which I was. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a, it's it worked It worked fine. I was good. We had a great time. It's acceptance. It's like the thing in the serenity prayer. Accept the things that you cannot change. <laughs> like, we can't change the people. We can only change our reactions to them. Right. So that's like, I don't know, that was kind of a big deal for me because I like to have people do what I think they should do, but... <laughs> <laughs> they're not doing what I think they should do and it still worked out fine how dare them Kate oh. that's just like our that, that Mitchell quote from this chapter he lets all things come and go effortlessly without desire he never expects results thus he's never disappointed he is never disappointed thus his spirit never grows old goes back to being the, the baby again those baby characteristics. So his spirit never grows old, which is the goal anyway, right? Right. And the bottom line is we have no control over life. No control. You know, when I first heard that serenity prayer, the things I can change versus the things I can't. Yeah. um, There were so many things in this things I can change side and so little in the things I can't. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, and it's like a seesaw. It's gone the other direction. Now there's almost nothing in the things I can change and all this stuff over here in the things I can't. That's surrender. That is surrender. You're exactly right, Marla. And then what, what's the other phrase with the serenity prayer that I heard recently? Um, the one I can change. The wisdom to know the difference. <laughs> yeah, but, but knowing the one I can change, not, um, I forget exactly how they said it. Uh, but basically what they were saying was there's only one you can change and that's you. And that only comes from surrender. I really can't, I can't do it myself, you know? So that Kate, that whole forcing thing, when you're forcing people to act the way you want them to, that is exhausting. Cause it's first of all, never going to happen. Right. <laughs> and it's exhausting you by, by being like annoyed by them not doing what you want. So it's, it's right. It was a complete fail. (laughs) It's a complete fail. Imagine people doing that to you, though. I wanted Kate to act the way I want her to act. I know. I'm sure it was super annoying. Yeah. (laughs) So control, like people trying to control you. Oh, yeah, I love that. (laughs) Well. God grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know that person is me. (laughs) That's it. That's it. So if I want to be happy and not be disappointed, I've got to learn how to do this and let it go. Navigating through life. Good. Any closing comments or are we all good? I'm not going to resist closing this meeting. (laughs) Sounds good. Y'all have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.